0: Hello Husky Nation, welcome to Dog Thoughts Radio with Tyson Allenbaugh, Kayla Olin and Mike Martin, an insider look at Husky football with game analysis, recruiting updates, players and coaches interviews, player profiles and information that you will only hear on Dog Thoughts, including Husky legends, all you'll see is purple, and now, your host, Tyson Allenbaugh. Hello dog fans and welcome to Dog Thoughts. It is another game week this season has felt like it's dragged on forever and I hate to use the word drag because obviously it's husky football. We're only on this uh giant blue marble for so many years and any any uh fall with a uh, husky football is a good one and um, but yet we're at game eleven. the huskies take on the Colorado boulder uh, Colorado boulders. Good grief. Colorado <laughs> buffaloes in Boulder, Colorado at Folsom Field. <laughs> I will be there, and uh, to help uh, get us up to speed and to help us preview Saturday's matchup is our man, Jeff Wright from Dub Life. Jeff, how you doing?
1: Doing good, Tyson. How about yourself?
0: Good. I'm excited to see the Boulders play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's funny. Uh, yeah. Man, I God, I, I feel for you right now, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. You're pulling double duty with the basketball team. We're recording this uh, uh, after the Huskies beat Maine last night, and... Uh, I don't envy your position. Well, in a way, I envy it, and in a way, I don't envy your position at the moment, just with uh, just a lot going on over at Montlake.
1: Yeah, there's a ton going on this week, Tyson. There's double duty with basketball, football, and basketball's got three games this week. So... Um, once football you know dies down a little bit that things will be more easy to handle but yeah this is uh probably the busiest week of the year right here
0: yeah um can't uh, but again though like i said a husky bass these are good problems to have particularly when the teams are at least at least above average and uh it's where huskies are coming off their second bye week um just one of the just the way the calendar falls this year and um you know you've gotten you're on you're talking to them after practice players and coaches and all that stuff and something I thought about after how well they played on defense against the Beavs is keeping that momentum whatever you want to call it keeping that up can they I mean it was fun it was was fun as hell I'm sure the players had a great time but are they going to be able and how how will they keep up that uh, momentum for lack of better lack of a better way to put it against a pretty decent Colorado offense
1: Well, I spoke with defensive lineman Levi Amwuzarike, and he emphatically said, yeah, that they can keep it up. And, you know, he said they saw it coming, um, and it was a long time coming because of the way that they had been performing in practice, but um, defensive back Keith Taylor, you know, he said they set a high expectation for themselves throughout the year and everything just kind of clicked that week. And and it was because they made a strong emphasis on tackling better and swarming to the football. And then talking with Elijah Molden um, after the game, and down in Corvallis, he said that you know that's that death row defense that they always talk about, and you know he said they need to now prove that they can do that every single week, and that it wasn't a one off.
0: That's and that's what the concern or interest or what the, is keeping that going, like you said, is it, it can't just be a one off. And obviously, the defense has had its share, of a fair share of moments this year, both good and bad, and. You know, you crunch the numbers, and they're only what twenty-three points allowed per game uh, uh, around there this on the season, which is pretty good. But it, it's you know when you go from giving up fifteen a game or sixteen a game, that's an extra touchdown a game, and it's and it's played a major role throughout the year. And obviously, that win against o- Oregon State was excellent. And then obviously, the Beavs were able to score thirty-five against ASU the next week. So you know what they're capable of, and like you said. I thought they. I agree with all them. They did a great job tackling. Really fun performance. You and I were both there. That was about. It was almost. You almost. It was almost in disbelief about how good they were playing defense that day. Not because you didn't think they were capable of it, but you were just like, Oregon State looked just impotent.
1: Yeah, they basically owned them from from the very start. And I think going back to your point about dominant defenses, I, I think we've been spoiled the last four years with. The defense Jimmy Lake has put out there, and I think you remember the last podcast we had. You know, I said I didn't think the Huskies had the type of defense that could just go out and and win them a game like they had in years past, and lo and behold, they come down to Corvallis <laughs> and and they literally do that. And so, just despite me, Tyson. So it's always you know, personal. They actually, <laughs> oh yeah, always personal. But they literally dominated that game. They literally bailed out the passing game uh, of the Huskies that game. So thank God the defense showed up.
0: Well. Uh, speaking of uh, the passing games, uh, uh, we'll talk about Colorado quarterback Steven Montez just because I can't believe he still has eligibility left. I feel like he's my age, number one, and uh, I'm in my 30s. And then number two, um, you know, they got some other playmakers as well. But uh, offensively, you know, I think just at first blush, it seems like the passing game is sort of what they, they do well. But, you know, when they when you put on the tape, what are the players and coaches said that they that uh, what stands out, I guess, about the Buffalo offense?
1: Um, Amu said that, you know, they're a very balanced offense and it reminds them a lot of the Huskies offense that they see in practice every day. Um, he said they use a lot of motion and they try to distract you a lot and basically distract your eyes from, you know, what they're doing. And Keith Taylor, again, you know, he said that to him, nothing really stood out on the film. He said that their offense is, you know, plain and simple. And as long as they stick to the game plan and, and play the rules that he thinks they should be fine, but he also noted that you know wide receiver uh Laviska Shenault Jr is definitely in the top tier of wide receivers in the Pac12 and you know he says his physicality and every time he gets the ball in his hands he can do something dangerous dangerous with it and so you know he said he's a future NFL draft pick and they definitely got to be aware of him so
0: yeah he's somebody who's kind of been battling some injuries but he is The real deal, real deal Holyfield. And he's one of those guys, I'm curious, uh, to I'm digressing a little bit here, where where he ends up in the draft because I feel like, you know, if he gets into the, you could say this, I guess, about a lot of players, but bear with me, if he gets into the right system, can stay a little healthy, I think that might be one of those guys that NFL people who don't watch college football, they're going to be like, holy Moses, how did this guy get to the second or third or whatever round, you know, yeah. just because he is as big and as powerful as uh, his reputation proceeds. But speaking of big and powerful, Steven Montez, I mean, it seems like it was just yesterday he came on in relief of Cepho uh, uh, Lufau in the yep. Pac-12 championship game. I th- I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, that was Montez. Um, yeah, it was. was. I think he was a redshirt freshman, and here we are four years later, kind of an up-and-down career um, just never has been able to seem to get over the hump. But again, still a talented player, still a still a weapon. Uh, what's made him so – you know, what's made him successful in 2019?
1: Well, the general consensus of the, of the Husky defense, Tyson, is that Montez, you know, he's a dual-threat quarterback, and, you know, he can extend plays, and he can hurt you with his legs as well. And, you know, talking to outside linebacker Joe Tryon, he said you really have to be aware of his rushing lanes and uh, don't let him break contain and – and don't let him make plays with his feet where he can rush for, for first downs. And, you know, talking again to Zarike, he said he's, he's deceivingly fast, you know, for a bigger size quarterback. And he says that Montez has really strong legs, which allows him to run through tackles. And, you know, Keith Taylor said that, you know, he's a good scrambler and he has a he has a strong arm. And, and then uh, Keith Taylor, again, you know, he said that he's very smart. Um, they faced him now for over three years, and he says he's a smart quarterback.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the size um, or being kind of deceptively athletic, whatever you want to call it. Um, Finally, a a, a Latino guy, a a non-white guy (laughs) being deceptively fast. How about that? Anyways, uh, 6'5", 230. Well, you know, uh, obviously not as big as Jake Luton uh, from Oregon State, but also that's a big boy. 6'5", 230 is a big boy and certainly more. I'd I'd say he's comparable in – in some ways, to Browning, into Jake Browning, in terms of not the size at all, but kind of the somewhat similar styles and how they, when they do run, yep. how they they're they're kind of slippery, able to get a couple more yards. Tough guys. Um, another guy who I think you know he probably isn't going to start in the NFL, but actually might end up in the NFL and play. You know, bounce around for a couple of years because he's got some intangibles and got some tools. It just hasn't really seemed to put it uh, all together every single you know twelve games in a season. Okay, now it's time to head over to the offensive side of the football, which um, has been – you look at the numbers, and I think after the season, Jeff, when we do kind of a season recap, I'll, it'll be funny to kind of run down the numbers because I looked at some of them today. The Huskies in conference games are averaging over 30 points a game, which seems I, – I, is it conference games or Power 5 games? You get my point, though. Like yeah. the, the offense for the, the its, you know, uh, much maligned – has actually produced more this year than it did last year, um, which even though last year you trusted it, in I think in yeah. some ways a little bit more. I, anyways, following the Oregon State game, after that p- passing, uh, you know the the passing game performance, you know Peterson mentioned a lack of rhythm, which I, I just if I hear the word rhythm one more time, I swear to God. <laughs> but uh, um, as sort of being the main fault, the main issue um, with uh, you know how how that game went down were they able to address it in the bye week? At least, even if it's not, you know, I don't expect John Elway next, you know, this Saturday down in Boulder, but can at least look just a, a tad bit more competent?
1: <laughs> yeah, I talked to tight ends coach Jordan Powpow, and he said that he felt they got better this past week in the passing game because there was a better flow to what they were doing and, again, a better rhythm. <laughs> and then um, he also said that the emphasis on the, for the receivers was to go up and attack the ball, and make plays and then I talked to tight end Hunter Bryant and he said they definitely got better he said they just kind of needed to reset some things and and get back to basics and fundamentals and and get their connection back between him and Eason because you know in the past they had dropped some balls and then he also said all the receivers benefited by spending a lot of time off the jugs machine so he said that would help as well and then I talked to offensive line coach Scott Huff and uh, he said from what he saw the receivers improved a lot and they, they just needed to groove some things down and but he also said that they had a really good week of practice and preparation and, and focus.
0: Well, that sounds all well and good. Obviously we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> coach <laughs> coaches speak to I know, I know. But you know it's some of it <clears throat> the the it's like sifting for gold, man. I, I don't need to tell yeah. you this. You just you got you gotta it, it, unfortunately, uh, or for better or for worse, uh, there is, n- they are not Steve Spurrier. They are not right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where, you know, it, every every damn week was a quote, but, um, let's uh, talk about the Colorado defense a little bit. And, Mel Tucker uh, is a defensive guy. Uh, came from uh, Georgia, I believe, but he's coached. He's bounced around everywhere. He's actually a really interesting kind of Wikipedia research or even biography research, whatever you want to call it. Just because that dude's coached under Saban, Kirby Smart is yep. also a Saban guy, but um, I think he coached under Lubby Smith too, if memory serves. Um, he's been around for ev- uh, everywhere. Anyways. Defensive guy. I thought that was interesting by Colorado because McIntyre was a defensive guy. And normally, you know, you fire the defensive coach and then you hire the offensive one. Colorado right. doubled down and got a defensive guy. And uh, that's sort of what he hangs his hat on. Unfortunately, if you're a Buff fan, they're giving up like 33 points a game in conference play. Uh, yeah. But they, they do have some good players. Nate Landman, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But Otherwise, how how is that? I mean, I, I, from afar, you know, just watching them a little bit and looking at the numbers, they've struggled a bunch this year on defense. What what are the what are the players and coaches seeing?
1: Well, Coach Powell, Powell said that when he looked at the film, um, he feels that they're much more improved defensively later on in the season compared to how they played earlier in the season, and he said they have athletes all over the field. And then he also mentioned a couple of guys that stuck out in his mind, and you know outside linebacker Davion Taylor. He said he's an absolute freak, and he you know he runs well. And and then Coach Huff said that you know they're well aware of defensive end Mustafa Johnson. Um, you know he's been injured a lot of the you know a lot this year, and even when he's come back, like he hasn't been full healthy. But now he seems to be full healthy and making an impact again. So they're fully aware of him. And and then the other thing he said that stuck out about. Um, Colorado is that they have a lot of unique packages on third downs that they like to get into. And so he expects their, their defense to fully load the box and try to take the run away this weekend. And then Hunter Bryant, he kind of echoed the same thing. He says that, you know, they have a lot of interesting pressures and blitzes that they like to go to on third and longs. And he said, sometimes they'll even line up seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And then, you know, they'll drop some in coverage and then the other guys will, will bring pressure and so they're they're always trying to confuse you and and bring something new to the table
0: and uh you talk about some of their production and we'll talk about Nate Landman here you know Nate Landman is fourth in the uh fourth in the conference in night with 97 tackles we'll dig into him a little bit yeah Davion Taylor uh 14th in the conference with 60 tackles this season uh uh there's a, a couple other guys that have all that are also on this list in the top 50 tacklers uh uh, but point is is yeah, it seems like they're improving a little bit. Um, but they're led by Mr. Landman who's an inside linebacker, a junior, I believe. Um, ninety seven tackles. That's nothing to sniff at. Gonna be over a hunt the century mark for the season. Um, what yeah. stands out about that guy?
1: Um, again, Coach Powell, Powell said that, you know, what stands out on film about Landman is that he's a real instinctual football player. And, you know, he does a really good job of uh fitting runs and making plays and you know, he said that uh, Lamon reminds him a lot of Evan Weaver over at, you oh. know, for the Cal Bears. He says in terms of his activity on the field and how productive he is with tackles and always swarming around the football, it they're very similar in his mind. And then talking to Hunter Bryant, you know, he said, you know, watching film of Lamin, he's got a high motor and plays with a ton of energy. It's like it almost seems to him like he never runs out of energy. And again, he's always seems to be in the right places and, and which is around the football. And then, you know, the other thing that Hunter Bryant said too, is like, even though he's a good player, he's looking forward to the challenge of playing against them. So, and then basically, I mean, Landman is is basically like their Benny Berkherb um, and <laughs> that's, that's how important he is to their team and, and how much of an impact he makes defensively.
0: All right. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, Tyson, uh, Husky fans reached out to me this week, and they were kind of disappointed when they they looked at the current depth chart this week, um, and because it really it didn't change at all after the bye week. And so, Coach Peterson said earlier this week at his presser that you know he doesn't remember the last time he's ever looked at one of those, um, so which was kind of funny, and uh, which shows you that you, we really shouldn't put that much stock into what the depth chart says. And the reason that the subject came up was because. Um, inside linebacker Edifuan Eulafocio has been playing really well lately and he wasn't even on the two deeps on the depth chart and so somebody asked Peterson about it and he said uh, no yeah he's on it and everybody's like no he's not he's not listed on it and that's when Peterson said yeah I, I never look at those things so, so to me it's like the coaches have a, a different chart of their own behind closed doors and they just feed us the one you know that we see every week and it really doesn't <laughs> mean anything but you know if anyone deserves to be on that depth chart tyson to me it's yula fosio because you know the last few weeks he's really improved and the light bulbs turned on and he's bringing it every single week and you know he filled in for wellington down in Corvallis cuz wellington got banged up and you know nine tackles led the team pack 12 defensive player of the week and you know he's made his name on montlake as a thumper because you know he started on special teams and he you know he's been cracking people and stuff and you know the inside linebacker position this year has been extremely inconsistent, um, production-wise, <laughs> nice. to say the least. I mean, that's
0: we all know that. Yeah, I know, I, mean, I know, you know, and I don't mean to. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at this whole yeah. season. You know what I mean? It's the same thing out, out at wide receiver. It's like, you know, you have the you have like three, you know, two a few seniors and then basically all first or second year players and. And unfortunately, you know, and I'm not trying to drag, you know, drag these kids or roast them, but they, they just weren't, It just they just weren't, for whatever reason, whether it's their you know, coaches, players, injuries, whatever, it just didn't work out this season at inside linebacker with the seniors. And and it's telling because I was, you know, I'm looking up the numbers. Nate Lehman's fourth in the conference <coughs> in total tackles this season. There is not one Husky linebacker in the top 50 in the conference. What does that yeah, mean?
1: That, it's that, been a huge drop off. That,
0: that is just incredibly disappointing all the way around, and they're as disappointed as anybody. So I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to, um, you know, crap on the kids. You just gotta, you gotta evaluate the, fe- you know, what happens on the field. And, um, uh, it, di- it just didn't work out. And Fast Eddie, um, as our man Mike Martin likes to call him, he <laughs> he is gonna be. He has potential to be a real husky fan fra- fa- fan favorite without having to use the adjectives scrappy or gym rat or any of those other coded language stuff because that dude is a beast. That dude. I he, think he deserves to start. Uh, he, it, uh, at this point, and I'm not again. This isn't trying to slam Ed. Uh, Ed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a. It's kind of like again. We. I. I think the inside linebacker wide receiver parallels are, are right there. It's like at this yep. point, play him You know. But you, you're like, yep. Or he's has been playing, but I, I, you get me at six weeks ago, we were saying play him. You know what I mean? So, right. um, uh, I, 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 ha, I can't disagree in Jackson sermon. I mean, if not now, then when, right? Because th- right. these are conference, these are FBS level athletes against Colorado and Washington state and whoever the Huskies play in the bowl game, uh, red box bowl, baby. Uh, and the and,
1: guy's a red shirt freshman, right? Yeah. He's a red shirt freshman. He's not on scholarship. He's a walk on. So, he wants to earn a scholarship, so a guy that that's hungry like that. Why not put him in, get him ready for next year, and see what he can do as a front runner, uh, starting for once.
0: Yeah, and and that, and my point that's and that's what I'm saying against real the quote unquote real competition, right? Like he could ball out against Eastern, you know, no disrespect to them, but that's FCS football or even Hawaii or BYU. Right. It's like actually Colorado it, it, with stakes, and then in the rivalry, you know, in a rivalry game in the Apple Cup, you know, there's there's. I think they can get as good of a look as you can possibly get these next three weeks, right? So it's like, like you yep. said, to echo your point, is like if not now, then when. And like, and then if he's up for the challenge, and then he's going to get his, he's going to get pushed next year because jo- you know if Joshua Calvert doesn't get hurt, he might be playing right now over Jackson yep. Sermon or uh, or. Uh, 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 why am I blanking on his name? Who we've just been talking about. Anyways. Um, <laughs> um, well, the
1: other thing, too, Tyson, is that, you know, the DJ Beavers um, was going to be starting this year, and he brings that physicality and that mentality, kind of like Keyshawn Bearia and Azim Victor. And, you know, with his medical retirement, that put a big hole in the middle of the defense. And so they just don't have that, that kind of mentality guy to take that over this year. And so it's really affected the team.
0: Yeah, and they and they could be in the wings. That's the and that's the thing is you don't, right. you don't you don't know until you know, you know, or until they get a chance to play. And then number 2, you're on um, uh, outside of Reuben Foster, or those types of cats, right? You know, not yep. many guys are ready to just to come into Pac-12 uh at Power 5 football, hell, Division 1 football, FCS football. I mean, a uh, high-level football and come in and start smacking people. It's just with an attitude. It, yeah. it just it's just it's rare. Guys usually end up growing into that, especially at such a physical and mentally demanding position that um, it, it's just hard. And, and I, like I said, I was so excited with how Jackson, Sermon, and, and, and Ed played against Oregon State. Um, I yep. think there, and there was times uh, uh, where the Huskies had, I think, seven or eight first- or second-year players on the field. And you're just like, yeah. this is wild. <laughs> this is, this yeah, it's is, crazy. It's totally crazy. But, hey, Jeff, uh, pimp your stuff, man. Okay, hold on one sec.
1: I got one more, one more fact on Edifon. Yeah. We spoke with him yesterday. We interviewed him, and you know he said that his name is Nigerian, and he said his first name, Edifon means the sun has risen, and then his last name, Ulafocio, means not afraid of war. So we thought that was pretty cool.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. So when the sun rises, he's fearless. I get it. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. That's a good nugget. Okay, pip yourself, yeah. man. All right. Uh, my website is dublife.net.
1: And on Twitter, you can reach us at JDub2379. And we also have a Facebook page. You can look us up on there. And then if you're on our site and you see any Fanatics ads and you buy something from there, then we get a small commission off of that. So you can support us that way as well.
0: Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, my man. Awesome. Go dogs. Go dogs. That was Jeff Wright from Dub Life. Big thanks to him for coming on as always. Now it's always now it's time for my prediction, and you know it's going to be which Husky offense is going to show up this week in Boulder, and I'll be in attendance. I'll be on my best behavior, I promise, uh, representing Husky Nation as well as I can or as best as I can. The numbers don't lie when it comes to this Husky offense, averaging uh, over thirty-five points. Uh, a game against BYU and Arizona on the road, and then against Oregon State and Stanford, it's under 17 points. So which Husky offense is going to show up? So roughly, just and if you average all four games out, the Huskies are right around like 27, 28 points a game on the road this year. Decent, but definitely not good enough. Now, is Colorado the ultimate challenge? Probably not, just because... I think the Huskies just more infrastructure, you know, more more mature program, better athletes, better recruiting, uh, better just kind of all the way around, better special teams too, for that matter. Um, so I, I'm not in danger of the Huskies losing, but um, this ethereal thing that we call momentum, I don't really believe in it at the pro sports level, but I do kind of believe in it at the collegiate level, just because these guys are 17, 18, 19, 20. You know, I don't need to tell you they're young guys. Um, th- it's a long season and they're about to enter a rivalry week. Now, do I think if the Huskies play, like, lights out and score 49 points that they're going to smack Wazoo the next week? No, because that's just, number one, that's not how it works. Number two, I think uh, uh, rivalry games, they're, they're just so tough. They're just, they're just brutal to play uh, uh, emotionally. So my point is, is, as a fan, just as a fan, maybe it's my own personal momentum going into the Apple Cup week, that <laughs> I just want to see the Huskies play – Good, clean, offensive football. You know, don't need to set any records. Just, you know, throw the ball, catch the ball, uh, you know, one or zero turnovers, and just walk away with a nice, comfortable win. 35, I think I I think I said 31-14 uh, 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 on Dub Life. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But 31-14, I think, or 31-17, 35 somewhere in that range, I think I'll be comfortable. The Huskies should win by... Uh, at least 14 you know right around 10 to 14 points I would expect more than 14 but with this team uh, nothing is guaranteed so uh but uh appreciate you as always for listening remember to rate and review on iTunes subscribe and uh we'll be back uh I won't be back because I'll be on the flight home from uh Denver Colorado but uh, Mike and Kayla will be back with a review of the Colorado Husky game on second thought and then it's and then it's on second thought and uh, the preview it's Apple Cup week wow man does the season fly by but uh Appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Tyson Allenbaugh. Thank you for listening. Go Dogs. The proceeding was a Howling Husky production.